Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, we're in the process of hooking up uh, NAACP CEO and President Derek Johnson. He'll be on the line shortly. We'll also be talking to the Seattle King County Branch President, Carolyn Riley Payne. Uh, we'll be talking with uh, uh, John Birchie, uh, Deborah so uh, Northern, as uh, courtesy of Nancy Lott. And then uh, we'll close out the hour talking to uh, the Reverend Robert L. Jeffrey Sr., who is the founder of the Black Dollar Days Class Force, the Clean Greens Farm and Market, as well as being a senior pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church and Market opens up on Saturday. So do we have uh, President Johnson yet? If not, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mary Hobson. She's been named the Metro Operator of the Year. And Metro, uh, Mary and I also graduated from Garfield, although I'm a little older than her, but congratulations to Mary Hobson. And as I mentioned, we'll be talking to, uh, we do have uh, President Johnson, uh, President Derek Johnson, Eddie Rye, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest again. And thank you for making time for us. Uh, we have a lot of things going on and I know that you are in front of all the issues that pertains to our people, our community, and uh, most people in need in general. So. Uh, what are what is I know the big thing is is a vote. Uh, we also heard today that there might be a uh, some kind of uh, infrastructure package. So why don't you uh, talk about the NAACP's priorities and comment on what we can do to support? Right. Well, first of all, it's always good to come on the show. So thank you for having me back. Uh, if you look at the current political landscape, uh, you know there are three big buckets moving right now, and for African Americans. We have to pay special attention, but for all Americans. One, uh, protection of the vote. The fact that uh, Senate, the Republican Senate sees this as a partisan issue is beyond offensive. Uh, protecting one's right to vote is about the Constitution, not political parties. We're talking about a group of individuals who are putting partisanship above their, their, their commitment to the Constitution. When you look at what just happened with uh, supporting the January 6th commission to investigate the insurrection that happened at the United States Capitol, and you couldn't get past seven members of the Republican Party to support that, that speaks volumes. Uh, but what's even more important is that a procedural rule that was once used by segregationists was really impeding and blocking uh, a democracy. Uh, uh, if that were a set of, of foreign terrorists, uh, we would be bombing their country right now. We would be holding people accountable. We would fill up Guantanamo Bay as a political prison. But yet we had uh, domestic terrorists who were white, who committed the atrocities on the Capitol. They threw out this notion that Blue Lives Matter as they killed one officer and injured many others. And nothing has been done. So when you look at uh, the current three big issues, voting, they 50-50 split to ensure protection of the vote. Uh, you know, these are elected officials who are seeking to pick their voters as opposed to how democracies work where voters pick the elected officials. Secondly, police reform. Uh, we have to have a robust police reform uh, bill to hold bad officers accountable for causing harm, injury, and death in our community. Black folks have been saying for decades that the police departments in targeted areas were harassing and causing harm in our community. Rodney King 
tape exposed the truth of what we have been saying. George Floyd brought forth the reality that we we must hold police officers accountable and have a federal database of police misconduct, do away with qualified immunity, and address Section 242 so officers are not operating above the law. And then finally, the infrastructure bill. It's good to hear there's a deal, but there there's no deal until the details of the deal is made is revealed. And whether or not uh, we will be positioned to create even more jobs as we fix our road bridges and our overall infrastructure, which is aging and, and, and actually collapsing. I don't know if you've seen yesterday where a bridge, a pedestrian bridge, just fell down in Washington, D.C. That's a federally funded bridge that was built to last for years, but the expiration date is up like it is in so many uh, areas across the country. And you would think the citizens uh, where these states and that need the, uh, the infrastructure as well as the jobs that go with it would be saying something to the senators. They have overwhelming authority over their constituents as opposed to their constituents having any authority over them. You know, you, you would think people would be rising up on any of these, on these issues. This is, you know, much of this has nothing to do with race. It's not about gender. It's not about region. This is about democracy. The fact that we will have our military generals uh, testifying today in Congress and they're being questioned about uh, something that many of the members who are raising questions have no concept of. You know, now, first it was bleak deep. Now we have a race theory, both of which are being contorted to be something that is not. But the machine of those who try to distract from making sure that all of the citizens in this country fully have equal protection under the law, full right to uh, engage in our political process, and the benefit of the tax dollars that everyone is putting into the coffers so that all of our quality of lives are, are commensurate with being citizens. But you have that extreme nature that's becoming more normalized day by day because of what we've seen from the past administration. But it's work of us uh, to, to push back against that there, to normalize something that's much more productive than what they're trying to create, and to snuff out white supremacist activity wherever it exists. Yes. Uh, the other big, you got a, a couple of big things coming up. One is the, uh, the annual convention this year. Does that start on the 7th of July? It does. It does. And we are, we have a, a really good lineup of speakers and presenters to talk about the issues of the day, to give charges around different things. One of the things I'm most excited about is yesterday, our youth and college division, uh, they launched a campaign uh, to, to reduce student loan debt obligations. You want to talk about the wealth gap in the African-American community. That wealth gap is uh, due in large part with home ownership. And uh, people cannot own a home and purchase a home or purchase a quality home if their income to debt ratio is too high. Student loans are the number one uh, casualty of individuals being able to enjoy home ownership. We're just not talking about it. We're talking about school teachers. We're talking about people who did everything they were supposed to do, happened to be the first or maybe second generation college course. And, and and had to take out student loans 
just to navigate through the education system. There's been a 50% increase in the number of people who had to take out student loans in the last 30 years. That is not uh, uh, did so by increasing tuition, forcing many students to take out student loans. It would be good if they had that in the infrastructure package. That would really help some communities. The thing about that is NACP, we're nonpartisan. The equal opportunity advocate. So if when it was the Dixiecrats who were segregationists in the 50s and 60s, who happen to be Democrats, we fought against them. If it's, if it's segregationists or those who uphold white supremacy today and they have to be Republicans, we're going to fight against them. At the end of the day, NAACP, we, we have not moved in 112 years on our, on our proposition that we should be treated with equal protection under the law, that we will fight for that equity, that we, we will fight to remove structural racism because that's our job. Exactly. And I tell a lot of people all the time when I talk to them, I get a lot of calls, you know, uh, I've been discriminated against. One of the first questions I asked somebody, are you a member of the NAACP? And I said, you know, that's a good $30 investment to make uh, because of the fact that, you know, you're, uh, you might not need any help, but you'll be helping someone else. And that's the kind of yeah, thing, right. the camaraderie we have to have in, in our community uh, of NAACP members and potential members. So that's one of the things I was telling your our branch president, when you call me, before you call Carol, make sure you go online and become be a member. So when you call her, you're calling as a member. You might get a little bit That's better right. reception. <laughs> so uh, in terms of the convention this year, it's going to be... At the end of the day, uh, we all we got. If we can't stand together, who else is going to stand with us? So it starts at home first. It starts with us first because there will be no one coming into our neighborhoods and to our communities to save us. We, we, we are it. And that's a beautiful thing as long as we stick together, stay together, and fight together. You're absolutely right on that one. Now, quickly on the convention this year, it's going to be virtual. Is that correct? And what can people do to participate? Uh, we will you know, go to NACP.org. Uh, you can join the Seattle branch, the Tacoma branch online, or you can reach out to our local Presidents, we have different campaigns that's on that website as well. You can sign up for. We're asking people to join in on the student loan debt campaign to to reduce and eliminate the student loan debt. You know, it's, it's a generational problem. We've we had someone come on last night on the hall meeting to talk about how his children have to take out student loans because he was still paying back his student loan from 20 years ago and could not find a way to cover the cost of his, of his children's education. That's unconscionable. We have to do away with this generational really cycle so we can actually build the necessary wealth in our community consistent with everyone else in this country. Well, uh, we just, I know you got short on time. We've been joined by Seattle, uh, King County, NAACP branch president, the Honorable Carolyn Riley Payne, Carolyn Riley Payne, uh, the national CEO and President Derek Johnson is on with us right now. Hello, Mr. President. How are you? How are you doing, Madam President? Thank you. I'm both. well, thank you. I'm I'm well. I'm excited about all the things that we are doing as the NAACP. It's good to be on with you. Thank you. Oh yeah, you know, you know, the beautiful thing about NAACP 
it's not based on what I do from the national. It really is based on what you do and all of our local members on the ground. Uh, you know, I, I tell people we're like a Baptist church. We're, we're led from the pews. There's no bishop going to sit an edict down. So thank you and all the members of the Seattle branch uh, for all that you do to keep the association moving in that community. But more importantly, considering the recent history, thank you for stabilizing operations so that we can stay focused on the work and not focus on fighting each other. Thank you so very much. Yes, that's exactly where I, that's exactly where we're moving towards. Um, trying to uh, not fight each other because it's too much. Other, we got too many other things to fight for and fight against to be fighting each other. But Mr. President, you know that this is not an easy job. <laughs> it's one of those thankless volunteer jobs. Everyone tell you what you should do, how you should do it, when you should do it, and why you ain't doing it. Not recognize, one, you're a volunteer. Two, that as much as you can do, they can, they can pick up a shovel and scoop a pile themselves to help you get it done. Yes, that is correct. And I don't know where people got the, uh, the notion that we are paid uh, uh, in the field, that the, the, the branch uh, members... And the and officers are paid, so they think I they uh, I do work for. Uh, we all I always tell them if you don't like what I'm doing, come do it. You can do come on and help me do it or do it yourself. Again, can, I, I, I used can, to threaten when I when I was a state president. I used to threaten to put a shovel next to my door. So like, if you don't like the way I'm scooping, here's a shovel. Scoop some and help out. <laughs> I know that's right. I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good metaphor there. So, uh, but you know, uh, uh, President uh, Johnson, you know, uh, um, President Kellen Riley Payne was the AXO director for almost 40 years. As a matter of fact, we had a uh, an event honoring her service uh, in 2019, July of 2019, right after the annual meeting. And uh, so I, we know that's a very integral part of, uh, of uh, the NAACP but uh, uh, President Johnson, you hit it right on the head. After they get out of Axel and get out of college, we need to help them with that student debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the beautiful thing about Axel, and I want to thank you for your commitment, it really is an opportunity for our young people to display their academic talent. I mean, we're good on the football field, baseball field, now on the golf course, in this court, but it's in the academic space where uh, we really have stars and some talent. And so, you know, to all of our AXO advisors and judges and supporters, that's, that's one of the best programs in the country. And for the NAACP to allow our 92-12 to really engage intellectually and display their talent in a national competition. It's a beautiful thing to see. Angela Wright was an NAACP AXO winner. And as a matter of fact, the co-chair of the Seattle Arts Commission and uh, one of the two uh, tenured violin professors in the country by that African-American, uh, Dr. Quentin Morris, also was an AXO winner. So he's now the, the co-chair of the Seattle Arts Commission and, and a professor, tenured professor at Seattle University. So there are a lot of success stories that, that look up to Carolyn Riley Payne for her encouragement, organizing the judges, the tutors, and everybody else, and the parents for getting them there. So... Uh, you know, a good big shout out to her as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I, as I move around the country, I run across more people who are former AXO participants, and they're excited about it. 
and and, and that's why you know, over the next year we're going to be retooling the competition so we can grow it because it is a great great uh, outlet for our young people to display how gifted they are. Yeah, but uh, uh, President exactly. Johnson, uh, yes, uh, President Johnson. Let me ask a, uh, you a question about about AXO. Uh, since I have been in it uh, almost since its inception, and you said to grow. Now, is there a move afoot to change uh, the criteria for uh, uh, being able to compete compete in AXO? Nothing I'm aware said- of. We, uh, only move afoot is prior to the pandemic. We, we were looking at okay, how do we grow it? How do we get more participants? How do we get more of our units to set up competitions? Yes. Uh, what categories do we need to uh, put in place that's currently not there? How have the marketplace shifted? And so that's what we're looking at. Like, if you think about this technological age, you know, should we have a category for coding or should there be a category for artificial intelligence? What's some of the emerging technologies that young people know about that you and I don't know about that we, should, we can create a competition around? That's what okay. we're looking at. Oh, Okay. All right, because I uh, I had gotten some calls that says that uh, we are all, uh, it's open to um, that we're changing the criteria for being of African descent, and uh, so I and we know that we don't turn any kid down, et cetera. But the but the criteria is that I'm you have, uh, if we don't give our, our our young people an opportunity, nobody else will, and we we're not going to suffocate the pipeline for other kids. And our kids are left on the sideline. Thank you. I, ooh, I could, oh, thank you so much. Because uh, with the way it was looking and going, uh, we were we were not uh, pushing our kids to the front as much. Uh, when we got to the national, uh, we didn't see as many of our kids winning the gold and the bronze uh, and the silver medals. So I'm I'm glad to hear that because we're working hard uh, in this region to. Uh, Grow AXO by getting new, um, new chap, new grant, new AXO program started. Because when you look at it, other ethnic groups have their own schools. You know, when you look at it, like on Saturdays, I know a lot of other ethnic groups have their own uh, schools. Not for all the folks out of those communities, but out of some. And I think it's imperative that the NAACP do the same thing for African descendants of the United States enslaved. We can't forget we've been here four hundred years. We can't keep letting that go by. And yeah, as a matter of fact, President Johnson, I've asked several members of the Congressional Black Caucus to have a federal designation for African descendants for the United States enslaved in every federal agency while we discuss reparations. Because we got enough black folks in government, you know, they can walk right across the street and have their own office. But I'm talking about one with, with a budget, uh, with appropriations, and don't have to ask nobody for no uh, uh, authorization, just whatever is best for our communities. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and a beautiful thing about our legacy, we got enough history to, to know when the wolves are being pulled over our eyes, and we have enough successes to know that when we when we focus, we're going to win whatever fight we take on. So as we stay focused, we'll win the fight. Our problem is not being focused long enough. Well, it's a good thing you're in the position you're in. It's a good thing Madam President is here because uh, she does keep us focused. And we are doing some kind of unique things, too. As a matter of fact, we created an uh, 
Madam President was very instrumental. She's one of the board members. We formed the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative with some of the uh, Indian brothers and sisters who are from India and who are now saying uh, that had it not been for the Blacks in the Civil Rights Movement, their families would be here. And they're doing extremely well. And some of them are willing to give back that have the technological expertise and the relationships. Uh, and they're willing to train uh, in digital technology. Uh, uh, we're supposed to be 2,402 years. We got a late start. Uh, specifically aimed at African descent of the United States enslaved. But that does not mean that if a uh, person is intermarried or you've been working with the black community, that you could be excluded. But it's going to be, you're going to also hear about Rosewood, uh, Black Wall Street, uh, all the black inventors, and everybody else about African descent. You're going to hear that before you even touch a computer so that everybody understands exactly what the focus is. And uh, so uh, we, uh, uh, Madam President, got us a, uh, uh, I think, we, a meeting with uh, Senator Patty Murray. And uh, due to her work, we might have some proceeds forthcoming. And we have several other people, including meeting with uh, the county executive. You know, this is Martin Luther King Jr. County. So I told the county executive it'd be very beneficial if uh, Martin Luther King County executive would step up. So that's in the works as well. So, but that's a, another thing that we're taking on. And we'll, once we get started, we'll be more than happy to share that so it can be uh, emulated around the country for uplifting our people and get them engaged in digital technology. And the thing about it is once they get the uh, training, they can work independently or they can work for the company. Like Microsoft has 700,000 subcontractors. So even a brother or sister with a uh, criminal record could still work as a subcontractor with that knowledge, which has been kept out of our community. But thank, thankfully and thank the Lord that we got some people that's in uh, positions of authority and power with the expertise and the understanding, you know, and we relate uh, Gandhi to King because Martin Luther King Jr. studied Gandhi while I was at Morehouse and emulated that uh, nonviolent movement to get us our civil rights in 64. So some people talk about, you yeah, know, Gandhi is this, he's that. All I'm saying is that thank God for him because King studied it and we have our civil rights that we have to fight for all over again, including our voting rights. But I just want to uh, let you know that that is going on uh, in Martin Luther King Jr. County. Listen, if it's a fight to be taken on in the state of Washington, you, you're in the middle of it doing the right thing because I, I love everything you just said. <laughs> Well, I love that uh, Madam President brought the money to the table. Yeah, that was Carolyn Riley Payne's relationship with the senator that, that got us thus far. That's right. Listen, I, well, I want to uh, transition up to the next call. As always, okay, then, sir. I enjoy coming on. Um, okay. You know, uh, it's a pleasure. Keep up the fight. And Madam President, good to hear your voice. And I look forward to when we begin to move around even more in our visit to the big city of Seattle. Yeah, and I miss going. I miss going to D.C. I mean, going to Tunica in August and seeing you in D.C. in September. So that's two times right. we see each other. That's right. That's okay, right. sir. Thank you very much for your time. All right, you are, Madam President. Okay, thank then you. thank you, President Derek Johnson. Madam President, would you like to have anything to say before we depart? Oh, yes. You know, Eddie, I always got something to say. 
I wanted to talk about, uh, let everybody know that we have a, we did have an AXO competition this year, and one of the, uh, we did have a winner, and um, she is, uh, her name is Ryan Morgan, and she's a junior over um, at, um, what is that school? I don't forget the name of the school. Anyway, she is, um, she plays uh, bassoon, the bassoon, oh, Rainier High School. Uh, Mount Rainier High School, and I'm always excited to have young people playing uh, and trying different instruments and trying different things. And uh, she is playing, she plays the bassoon. She she switched from the flute to, to, you don't see too many African-Americans playing a bassoon, I'm just saying. So that's that's what AXO is all about, uh, as as, uh, President Johnson indicated. Uh, that uh, we give people um, their chance and showing them what they didn't even know they could do. We have an, uh, the, what is her name, um, Bridges out of uh, Tacoma was our AXO um, Janae. And now she's singing at the Met. Mm, that's uh, great. And she, and she started right here in Seattle. Some of the other yeah. things, Ed, I know, right quick before you cut me off, because I know you'll be cutting me off in a minute, um, that we are doing. Uh, for the uh, branch, and I just want everybody to know that we still have, there's still an opportunity, just like uh, President Johnson just said, to come out and help and be a part of what's going on. Stop sitting back saying what we're not doing. Come help us. Uh, I'm always begging for members to come and work on the committee. I need a secretary. We need a, um, a criminal justice chair. So uh, we need lots of things, but we're having take control of your health, confronting health disparities with, uh, uh, with this uh, pandemic. And everything we're doing right now is still virtual. And uh, mm. so I want people to mark their calendars for uh, July 10th for, um, for that. But more well, than uh, that, before- Madam President, I'm going to ask uh, Lynn Howell for some recommendations from the Laura Miller Bar Association. Uh, to work on the legal side. And uh, I think uh, the sisters at the Mary Mahoney Nurses Association could probably find yeah. one because I know we got we even have at least one ex-Panther <laughs> in the Mary yeah, Mahoney well, Nurses we have, Association. We have people, we have nurses from Mary Mahoney working with us on our health committee and helping us put things together. Now, we would love, we, 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 we've been trying to um, mix with the uh, Lauren Miller Bar Association, but you know they're busy too. So, we, but we need the commitment. We you got to call the retirees. You got to call Lim House, somebody that's retired, and let them well, find yeah, out. Yeah, because the other thing is, it could be like it could be like it could be somebody that Lim could mentor that could do all the yeah. legwork, and I yeah. think that might be good for a lawsuit. So, okay, uh, <laughs> it's in there last year, but okay, yeah, Madam yeah. President, we do we do have to go now. But you can come back on next week. Well, I got. Don't forget that Brent Jones will be on uh, Monday night at the meeting. So everybody in Seattle Public Schools ought to be on listening to him, asking him questions, and seeing what he's going to be doing for our kids next year, this coming school year. So, well, you uh, know Dr. what, Brent Jones, what the next uh, interim superintendent, the next uh, one of my guests is from Seattle Public Schools in the next segment, talking about opportunities at the district. So anyway, Madam President. Okay. Well, thank, thank you, you thank, as always. Oh, okay, okay, then. Thank you bye. very much, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break, Eric, and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, Eric is rocking the tunes, and my next guests are on the line now. My real good friend for years, been active in helping our community. Her name is Nancy Locke. She's a former director of the City of Seattle's Office Purchasing and Construction Services Office. She has been a stalwart member of the Tabor 100 and an advocate for equality for all. And then she has on the line with her, Ms. Deborah Northern from Seattle Public Schools. We're going to go to Nancy first. Nancy Locke, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And you've been uh, doing quite a bit of work as a consultant. I just want to, uh, if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about your background and uh, talk, go into what you've been doing as of late to help bring equality to all the people. Thank you, Mr. Eddie Lai. It is so nice to be talking to you. Um, what we are going to talk about today is something that is a real uh, change leader. It's a systematic change that we are implementing into Seattle Public Schools, and we've worked in other with other public agencies as well um, to create some really significant employment opportunities that have been most impactful uh, in the African-American community. I, uh, as Nancy Locke, I was the director at the City of Seattle. I worked on capital construction contracting and on procurement um, and led their Women and Minority Business Program and created a labor equity program. The labor equity program actually uh, developed as a result of your advocacy, Eddie, 
Mr. Ride, because we recognized uh, through you and your advocacy that there were not African-American, there were not people of color working on our construction jobs at the city of Seattle. And we needed to change that. It's a construction work is a high wage, highly paid uh, job. And um, over many, many years, it has become dominated um, by white males. And by many years, I mean, there were 100 years ago, African-Americans were our skilled craftsmen. And over the years, as these wages increased, that demographic changed. So we at the city made a decision that we had to do something revolutionary to change what that dynamic looked like, what that demographic looked like. We built a uh, program in partnership with the local labor union. We, that partnership has significantly changed the way and the folks who are hired onto construction jobs. And we didn't do this alone, and we didn't do it on your advocacy alone. We parked back as recipients to the mission and the dream that folks like Tyree Scott built all those years ago, the Central Contractors Association, um, we're inheriting this mission. We didn't invent this mission. Um, but with their uh, dream in mind, um, we were able to really make some very effective partnerships and some uh, significant measurable change. I have to throw out a few thank yous, uh, and then we can kind of start some dialogue. I wanted to specifically um, make note that our program, which we will describe, is possible because we're in a new era of relationships with the local building trade unions. And our current leadership there, Monty Anderson, the executive secretary there, has inherited his program from Lee Nugent and formerly uh, from that was Ron Judd. They have recreated uh, the mission uh, for our union, for our local building trade unions, so that they are as committed to making these changes as we are, and that has made it possible. Um, we worked. We wouldn't have been able to do our changes without uh, Director Zachary DeWolf. and we know Dr. Brent Jones is equally supportive and and um, invested in allowing these, this program to make the kind of changes we hope it will make. I can talk, describe a little bit. Well, well that's great. The program. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that Ms. Deborah Northern? Yes, and Deborah Northern, I'll introduce Deborah Northern, and then we can, as you're ready for us to. Yeah, because then John John Birchie's going to John Birchie's going to join us shortly as well. Go right ahead. Deborah Northern is an equity program manager with Seattle Public Schools. 
She is committed to race and equity. Uh, is she on the line? Is she on the line? She is on the line. Would you please? Yeah, would you please gonna, introduce? I'd like to have her introduce herself. Thank you. Uh, Deborah. Yes. Thank you, Nancy. Um, thank you as well, Eddie. Um, again, my name is Deborah Northern. I'm the Equity and Engagement Manager for Seattle Public Schools. I'm, I'm kind of grounded in our Equity Partnership and Engagement Division, and I'm a strategic advisor to the Capital Projects. So I, uh, my focus and my work is definitely systemic change as we are implementing the Seattle Excellence Plan, strategic plan, that focuses on our students who are furthest away from educational justice, and therefore we are looking at the system, not so much the students, and, and finding from, from a deficit standpoint, we're looking at the system itself and those of us who work in the system, and what is it that we can do in the spirit of continuous improvement and anti-racist practices, how do we move forward um, supporting students' um, success, all students, each and every student, um, as it relates to their academic journey in Seattle Public Schools and for preparing them for career and life success. Well, uh, that's uh, great. Now, exactly, can you, give me some, can you give me some examples on how this is being done? As far as our internal work within the organization of Seattle Public Schools, it's definitely well, high emphasis on professional development and learning in regards to staff having the competencies and the mindedness in regards to racial equity and equity in general. So we are definitely, um, we have um, processes and um, systems in place to support um, staff development as, as in regards to their competencies. We're also thinking about various programs and approaches as far as with the educators. Racial equity teams are in several of our schools. The aspiration is that there will be a racial equity team in every school where there's a, a mechanism for discussion and or resources and supports to be provided so that the staff at the schools, building leaders included, are able to um, definitely address the issues um, that may present themselves as we aspire to become an anti-racist system. Well, I know that... Uh the education chair uh, for the state, uh, Rita Green, and probably others will probably want to uh, get with you on your journey. <clears throat> can you give our listening audience your contact information so the people that have this interest can reach you? Yes. So my um, email address is dlnorthern at Seattle Public Schools. And I would have to give a different phone number once I have it because I'm being moved as far as location within the building. So I apologize that there's not a phone number, but definitely there's an email. Yeah, if you could just give that to, to Nancy and she can get it to me if we can't hook up. I also want to ask my engineer, Eric, did uh, John Berti join us yet? Okay, uh, plug him in. He's a key component as well. John, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you this afternoon? Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Nancy and Deborah are on the line with us. That we've just talked about what... Uh, Nancy, her extensive agenda and all the stuff she's doing and also what Deborah is doing. And see, you're the city training guy for the, for the city of Seattle. So you and Nancy go way back because she was used to be over that division you're working on right now with Liz Alzier. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to kind of find out how does all this come together? Nancy, you and John and Deborah, uh, are you guys all working in a collaborative fashion on anything? Or John, are you doing specifically stuff with the city? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, you know, it really starts 
Nancy's really Nancy Locke is really the starting point of you know that kind of conversation because under Nancy's leadership over here at the city in purchasing and contracting, uh, while she was the division director over here, um, she oversaw the priority hire ordinance uh, and made sure that was established at the city. And so since then, high level, right, working to support priority hire and all that that means. Um, and since that time, Nancy has retired and left the city and consulted to help Seattle Public Schools do some very similar agreement with labor. And so that relationship continues because we had the former relationship and um, multiple members on our team then continue to support Nancy in this work because a lot of our work is in schools, uh, making sure that that school pathway to actual careers um, that pay good wages with benefits um, is that students are aware of them and have programs to connect to them. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you guys, is a lot to, uh, Nancy and you and Deborah. is there any way that, because I, I want to continue this dialogue and deal with uh, where we are, what's been accomplished, because a lot of times people come and they talk about programs, and I people in the, uh, come to me well, before pre-COVID and say, hey, man, what about this program? Did anything ever happen? So this one thing I promised my listeners that I will be following up with people who are doing some things, especially in the Black community, they're about opportunities and equity, uh, and I'm glad to hear that the labor unions are finally coming around because uh, I was with the United Construction Workers Association with Tyree and Harley Bird and Michael Wu and and uh, 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 a lot of other folks. When we had to close jobs now, I had to get a federal court order. And once the court order was defunded, it practice went back as usual. So that's why I think we got to continue this dialogue. I'm going to have to go in a minute. Does anything, Deborah, Nancy, or uh, and um, my fan, uh, my John, you know, John is also co-chair of the CLMLK Opportunity Fair, which we didn't have last year or this year because of COVID. But anyway, uh, I just want to see if there's anything, you, uh, any comment or suggestion you'd like, like to make before we leave. I, I have a comment. This is Deborah. I just wanted to ensure that it's understood as far as just the focus of SPS and definitely we're remaining student-centered first, and then we're looking at these other, you know, macro processes in regards to the contracting and that type of thing as it relates to SCWA. And the, the, the important fact is that the work of the SCWA as it gets underway will definitely underscore the focus of our strategic plan, Seattle Excellence. And as we move to a 2.0 version of that Seattle Excellence, Within the district, what that means is that we're deepening our understanding about what it means to focus on those who are most impacted um, and then creating systemic pathways for opportunity. Um, and then Thanks. definitely making sure that we're uh, overseeing and being accountable for those systems and processes to work effectively. The NAACP will be watching closely. So, Nancy, thank you very much. Uh, John, uh, we'll be in touch because I want to you to get an update on you on how the priority job hire thing is going uh, in the now that COVID and things opening it back up. So I need to have you back on real soon. So thank all of you guys and uh, happy 4th of July. I found to see you. I'll talk to you before then. Thank you. We're, great. we're grateful, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Reverend Dr. Jeffrey after the break. 
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Rye back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest with uh, Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, Senior Pastor, New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, founder of the Black Dollar Days Task Force, and also the Clean Greens Farm and Market. And, uh, last week was his 35th pastoral anniversary in Seattle. And this Saturday is the opening of uh, the Clean Greens uh, Market. So, Reverend Jeffrey, welcome back again this week. I said, yeah, I have people on every week. I said, I have people on every week that are doing things in the black community. You at that right. And I think that's very worthy because of the fact that uh, folks will have access, be able to support a endeavor, a black endeavor, and also an eat well and eat healthy. So, Rev, yeah. why don't you go ahead and just uh, give us a little history of the market, of the market and the farm for people that don't know uh, how the idea came about where it's located, all the goodies like that? Well, you know, we started the farm over 13, 14 years ago, um, primarily because we felt like, um, uh, you know, we wanted to go back to our roots. I mean, uh, black people brought the whole concept, of, began with the whole concept of farming in Africa, and uh, we, we brought that farm technology into the South when they brought us over as slaves. It's one of the reasons they brought us over, because of our skill at farming. It's in, it's in our genetic being. We just wanted to go back to the earth, and we thought we could use this engine to create some economic movement. Uh, it, we haven't done that as much, but it did uh, help create organic food to um, help the health of our community because our people are dying of, of blood high blood, blood pressure, diabetes, all kinds of things as it relates to food, the food that we eat, the kind of vegetables that we get. And um, organic food is very expensive, and many of our 
our people, you know, we can't afford <laughs> to pay uh, uh, $3 or $4 for a bunch of greens and stuff like that. And But we love, we love to eat uh, fresh vegetables because we grew up, many of us in, on farms, to eat that stuff in the South. So we wanted to grow that food, that food that we used to eat. And uh, we've been doing it for 14 years. And uh, right, we, last year we began in the memory of uh, Miss Lottie Cross, who kept this thing going until she died. I mean, she just labored. This was one of her labors of love, the farm. And um, she passed away last year, and we began uh, last year to give all the food away for free. We, we're going to continue that ongoing. We'll continue that until we stop the farm. So. The farm is the food, all the food is free. You come, you get a, you get a, you get greens, you get uh, uh, whatever vegetables we have, spinach, whatever, uh, whatever vegetables we have in terms of the season, turnip greens, mustard greens, uh, all kinds of uh, other vegetables, uh, lettuce, uh, uh, you know, romaine lettuce, all kinds of different kinds of lettuces. Any, you know, we grow almost anything you would want. Uh, um, in vegetables, and um, and they're all organic. They're all without chemicals, and um, we'll be giving them away tomorrow. On, I mean, Saturday, from eleven to uh, two. We have a jazz band that's going to be here to celebrate our fourteenth year. We have um, all kinds of things going on. We have T-shirts that we'll raffle off uh, from the Seahawks, and so we have some things going on uh, in the community. Uh, uh, Breon Scott is, uh, is, is took Miss Cross's place. She'll be head of the uh, uh, Clean Greens Farm going forward. She's a young lady, and her and uh, Robin Thompson, who are young ladies, and uh, they, they've got a lot of energy. And um, sometimes this year, I'm not know when we'll start our food processing, uh, packaging, uh, 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 fresh, uh, clean greens, organic um, salads, mixed salads, and so. That'll begin this year, and we're trying to find stores that we can uh, put those salads in once we begin that processing. So come out Saturday, eleven to three. Well, well Reverend Jeffrey, where is the uh, arm located? And give uh, listeners yeah. an idea so they can visualize what it would be looking like. Okay, the farm is located in Duval. The farm is located in Duval. That's about forty-five minute drive off from Seattle. Great farm country, great farm land. Uh, you know, we, we're really in the, in the process of thinking hard about buying uh, farmland. But, um, you know, we're city dwellers, so we haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. But we probably will going forward uh, uh, in the future. Uh, but um, it's great farmland. Uh, we grow great food. It grows great food. It's right on the river, uh, 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 right on the uh, – uh, I can't think of the name of the river off the top of my head. I should have wrote this stuff down. I'm getting old. I can't think as fast as I used to. It. <laughs> uh, I don't well, know. But I might call yeah. the wrong name of the river. No, oh, that's the market right. that's is going to be on. Let me give the address of where we're going to be. We're going to be Go on ahead. 21st Avenue, uh, one, uh, 123 21st Avenue. Uh, we're going to have the block off the whole street on uh, in front of the church, uh, um, Newark Church. And um, we'll have the street. We'll have vendors, about 15 vendors. And we'll be uh, have a band, and we'll be giving away fresh vegetables and raffling out uh, um, uh, the the the, 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 the New jersey from the Seahawks. Um, I can't uh, uh, title lock it, title lock it jersey. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, I was just thinking, uh, when I was a little boy, my grandfather lived on a farm in Louisiana. I was thinking, we'd get a few mules and some plows out there and let some of these brothers that came from down home do a little plowing. I know they got tractors these days, but I was just thinking about that. When we started, when we started, we plowed, we we pretty much, we got, we used a tractor to break it up, but we used hand plows to, to do the row when we started. Back of uh, back when we started, we had to hand plow the roads by ourselves. I mean, this is this was an operation done uh, like like they used to do in the old times. We got we got yes. and we got equipment now. But in the when we started off, we didn't have all our stuff. We we had to do it ourselves, and uh, you know it was really. I mean, it's just it was really encouraging and really refreshing to be out there and in, in, in the country planting and, and growing and. And uh, and and especially bringing young people out to see the farm and yeah. to participate in uh, discovering where food really comes from it doesn't come from McDonald's. It comes from most of it comes from the ground and uh, uh, and uh, from farms. Well, see that would be great. Now you got me thinking about having like a semi resort and a camp where folks learn to reacquire the skills that great that grandparents, great grandparents used to have. In the old well, days, think, when it wasn't no I tractors, think better, I think I think we better start thinking about that. I mean, the way uh, the pandemic hit, the pandemic hit. We we have to understand that these economic systems can freeze. They froze. That's right. With Reverend Jeffrey, we're we out of time. I want to thank you okay. for coming on short notice. So keep up the good work, my brother. Thank no, you no, so thank much. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Want to give a shout out to Liz Alzer. The City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services uh, Manager, uh, me and Rice, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, uh, Leslie Jones with the Labor at Sound Transit, and Joan A. Robinson over Civil Rights, Concourse Concessions, the owners David Pukahara out at SeaTac, uh, the Desert Storm Veterans that owns the African Lounge and the Mountain Bar on Concourse A is uh, the SeaTac Rock Group LLC, which is Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill. This has been Eddie Wright with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. You can hear us again on Saturday and also on Alexa. So we'll talk to you again. Stay cool this weekend.